The Rams versus the Saints Thursday night football is one of the games of the year in the NFC. We've got a big injury update in week 15 winners and losers. That's coming up next here on Locked on Rams. You are locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramley, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Rams, your daily podcast covering your 7-7 seven and seven Los Angeles Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're also available over on YouTube, so if you haven't yet, join the party trying to get to 11,000 subscribers. So do us a huge favor. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Hit that like button. And who are your biggest winners and losers for Week 15? My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on the X at dmac underscore la i've been covering la sports for over a decade the lakers for si the dodgers for dodgers nation 24 7 sports now the rams for locked on and as always i'm joined by the rams pre half and post game show host for the rams flagship radio station espn 710 la he's in his eighth season covering your los angeles rams he's known as the people's champ mr travis rogers you can follow him on the x at travis rogers and on today's show, we've got winners and losers, horns up, horns down for week 15. We've got a big injury report. We're talking about the Rams-Saints must-see game of the week. We'll get into that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked On Rams is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, Travis, lots to get into on this one, so we'll dive into that Latest injury report from Sean McVay heading into this Saints game. Because before you blink, we're going to be kicking that football off at SoFi Stadium. Rob Havenstein, he's expected to be back. Tutu Atwell, he's out of concussion protocol. He's expected to be back. Tyler Higby, he was upgraded. And then Quentin Lake was also full participant. So it is definitely a situation where the Rams are really looking good from a health standpoint heading into this one. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's fortunate and you never know how long it's going to last, right? It's the NFL stuff can change very, very quickly, but the Rams are relatively healthy, especially for where you are here uh, getting towards the end of December. Uh, the players that have been a little nicked up like Havenstein that you talked about, the backup uh, for that position, Joe Nopum has performed capably, you know, maybe it's not a all pro replacement, but it's been good enough, which is really good news. Tyler Higby seems to have found a little bit of life over the last couple of weeks. And even if he hasn't Davis Allen looks to be a part of their passing game is funny. Uh, we were talking with JB long, the voice of the Rams during our pregame show on ESPN 710 on Sunday morning. And he said something that I'd never really thought about before when it comes to the the tight end position. And what he said was, other than quarterback, maybe the most complicated position on a Sean McVay offense is tight end. And that's why they've had such a difficult time of, of maybe, you know, developing guys and being able to integrate them into their offense. Davis Allen's really the first guy that we've seen a little bit more, a little bit more. They're throwing him the ball in the red zone. They're getting him in the uh, or in the end zone, I should say. And it's just been a really nice development there. You want Tyler Higby. He's the veteran presence. This is the time of year where veterans make a big difference. But you do have a capable backup right there. And then lastly, with Tutu, 
I, I think my my opinion on Tutu has been pretty well established here. The everydayers certainly know it. I'm not a huge Tutu Atwell fan. Uh, he's had some moments, to be sure, and that's great. But I love having Demarcus Robinson as uh, wide receiver three. I think he's brought a, a, a real element to this team that was missing before. I agree with that. Demarcus Robinson, big touchdown back in the end zone to put the Rams yeah. up. And that ends up going 28 points at that point to get the two-point conversion. But, yeah, he's absolutely established himself as the third best weapon on offense outside of Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup as far as receivers go. And other than that, really, Trey Tomlinson's the only one that had any significant injury with a hamstring injury. He didn't practice. He wouldn't practice yesterday. Like I said, 2-2 did clear concussion protocol. But I think that as far as how they're going to use him at best, it's probably going to be as a vertical threat. He has proven he has strong hands and I yeah. think that early on the season when he was targeted more with Cooper Cup out, he definitely made the most of his opportunities. But unfortunately, kind of where things stand right now, it just feels like he has been surpassed by Robinson. The big one I'm looking at, other than Rob Havenstein kidding back in the mix, is Akella Witherspoon. He was limited. He was expected to play this week. He left the game with a groin injury. They're going to need him in this one with the way the Saints are going to try to attack this defense. Yeah, I think he's been by far their most consistent performer in the secondary. This has been a position for the Rams that maybe hasn't been a huge position of strength for them this season. Maybe something that uh, they can address further in the draft. I know that they've done it the last couple of years as far as going heavy in the secondary. But Witherspoon and, and John Johnson at the safety position are kind of those veteran guys that have been around that are going to give you pretty steady performances. Are they terrific? You know, a plus performances, no, but they're also not giving you C's, C minuses, and D's. There, you you know what you're going to get from these guys. Witherspoon is probably the guy that's their number one corner right now. He's the guy that I think they lean on more than anyone else. Uh, they're going to need him, right? They're going to need him. Short week, everybody's not feeling good, and I think this is, you know, we'll talk about this on the crossover with Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints later this week, but this is an even more challenging week for them because they got to spend a day in the air getting here to Los Angeles. Angeles, the Rams, you know, those the short weeks are bad for everybody, but they're worse for the road team. So as as nicked up as the as the Rams might be right now, I think they're in a better spot than the team that's coming to town. A little bit nicked up, and of course, it's just an adjustment, quick turnaround. You're trying to recover as soon as possible. I think that's something you definitely want to look at, though. Akella Witherspoon dealing with that groin injury. He's been an absolute revelation for this team, making yes. a little over a million dollars. That's half of what Shohei Otani gets. I mean, that's incredible <laughs> value for a player of that stature. So we'll see how he performs. But let's dive into this one real quick as far as the matchup goes. So it's not a situation where you win and you're in. You lose and you're done. It's not that, but it's extremely significant. The Rams, they're currently in the seventh spot in the NFC. Saints are in the eighth spot. So tons of huge playoff implications. The Rams currently have a 52% chance to make the postseason, according to the New York Times. But with a win, that jumps up to 74%. You mentioned on yesterday's show, every listeners will know. And then, really, the drastic implications if they lose it that plummets to 12 percent and you look at the saints if they win their odds go from 45 percent to 79 percent if they lose they go to 26 percent this is essentially travis an elimination game so for all the talk that this game was going to get flexed out this is must-see tv it's the best game of the week, arguably, it, 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 because you have two teams that are, you know, 500 or better. You have two teams that are both in the playoff mix. You have two teams that with a loss are maybe not out, but you're out. 
right? I, I mean, 12%, I don't want to bet on anything that's coming in 12% of the time. I don't want to bet on anything that's coming in 20% of the time for the Saints. So this is everything, right? That this, this is an opportunity for you to play another big game next week in New York against Tommy DeVito. Uh, and the and the Giants. This is this is a team that you have. Uh, everything is on the line because you took care of your business last week. You, you you get more pressure with more accomplishments, and this is where the Rams are. Win, and you're this close to punching your ticket. Lose, and now you need help, and you're probably not going to get it. So this isn't an elimination game, like you said. But for all intents and purposes, it is. If you win, you've put yourself on the one-yard line. If you lose, you're back up inside your own 10, and you got no timeouts and about 48 seconds to go left on the clock. That's what you're looking at. They need to win on Thursday. Exactly. I think this situation is you don't want to put yourself where you are out there scoreboard watching. I don't like scoreboard right. watching. It's stressful. I don't want to have to deal with that. I want to control your own destiny. And I had this team winning nine games out of it, nine and eight heading into this year. And what I've said this entire season is until they lose nine games, I'm still going to believe this team still has a chance to make the playoffs. You're right. The, way the NFC is played out the way that there's other teams that have disappointed but you look at last night's game, Seattle's able to get a win. They got the tiebreaker against Seattle. So, I mean, I feel really, really good about where this team is if they get a win against the Saints. That Giants game, I mean, uh, that's what you love about the NFL, right, Travis? These games that on paper, you can we can spend, maybe this will be something we'll remember next summer when we're breaking down the schedule and trying to count wins and losses and think about games being flexed out. Until these games are played, you just don't know the implications. And we got ourselves a highly anticipated virtually a playoff game coming Thursday. So could be more excited. It, it was the game and the schedule. Like we all talk about, it comes out and you're like, all right, well, yeah. How many primetime games do you get? I get one in Cincinnati early. Oh, we got a weird one against new Orleans late in the season. And it felt like, yeah, they might get flexed out of there. It's these are two teams that probably won't be uh, competing for all that much wrong. It's the game of the week. It is an incredibly big deal. And the fact that it's the saints D Mac, I think is really interesting because Take the division games out. Those are always going to have a special little juice to them because they're division games. But the fact of the matter is, in the Sean McVay era, the team that is not an NFC West team that they have had the biggest rivalry with are the New Orleans Saints. This this is goes back over several years. We know that NFC Championship game a few years ago. We saw Drew Brees in the Coliseum break his thumb and kind of that that went in a totally different direction. We've seen the Saints run it up on the Rams in in various uh, games along the way. This is their rival outside of the NFC West, and this is what it's coming down to for both of them. I know that Sean McVay has feelings for the Saints and not good ones. I know that the Saints have the same ones towards the Rams. Not good ones. It should be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, anytime the Rams play the Saints, you got to bring that up. Tommy Lee, Lee Lewis, Nikhil Roby, and of course, people saying it wasn't a PI. Well, I'm just taking a little sip of those Saints fans' tears right now <laughs> before we get to our next segment because uh, I'm telling you, that was a clean play. Come on, let these guys sure. play. Okay, all they, did, all they did was change the NFL rules immediately after <laughs> because it was so bad. Yeah, that's it was. Hey, oh, look, we're not going to talk about the interception in overtime. Okay, I guess we're yeah, not. No, you're right. They they screwed it up on their own right for sure. But uh, I uh, oh, I don't so care. I guess, I guess the, the, at the end of the day is sports are about good calls, bad calls, good luck, bad luck. And the Rams got a little bit fortunate that day and tough. You know what, Saints fans? Absolutely. But coming up next here on Locked on Rams, we got winners and losers from week 15. That's coming up next here on Locked on Rams. 
All right, so we're getting close to the holidays, right? And what is a better gift than to give somebody the opportunity to go see a game, the opportunity to go to a concert, to go see a comedian, right? But you don't have the tickets. This is where Game Time comes in. The Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, and comedy events near you. And killer last-minute deals. You get an all-in pricing. You get views from the seat. And, of course, a best price guarantee. Game Time is taking all of the guesswork out of buying tickets, right? You know how stressful it can be. You're trying to get somebody this for that. Or you're trying to make sure that you have it at the very last minute. And you're not quite sure where to go. Now you know, game time. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats. And with zone deals, you pick the section, and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% of savings. And the game time guarantee means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create that account and redeem the code Locked On NFL, L O C K E D O N NFL for $20 off. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. And we are off and running here on Locked On Rams. Thank you for being a Locked On Rams, your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And also, I want to send a special shout out to our everyday listeners out there. We appreciate you watching every episode, listening to every episode. And you can join that Everyday Listeners Club, too. Membership is 100% free, and you won't miss a thing about your Los Angeles Rams. Another reminder that Locked On Rams, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. You can find Locked On Lakers, Locked On Dodgers, Locked On Rams. It's pretty awesome. Definitely go check that out. Now, here in our second segment, Travis, we're going to dive into some winners and losers, kind of go quick hitters style. I know we've talked about some of these guys, so we won't spend too much time on some, and we'll dive deep into some of the other ones. But you got to start with Matthew Stafford. I mean, it all starts and ends with a quarterback in the NFL, but especially on this team. Stafford, a 90.4 PFF grade. He went 25 of 33, 76% completion percentage, 258 yards, two TDs. It was the third time this season he finished with an overall grade of at least 90, a season average at 85.2. Put some respect on this man's name. He's not going to get the MVP, but I think he's earned a lot of respect around the league knowing that he's still got it. He's not going to win the MVP. He won't even receive a single vote for MVP, but without him, this team is dead in the water. I, I know we say this a lot. I'm sure the everydayers are like, yeah, I get it. I get it. We saw what this team looked like without him at quarterback. We, we, we saw it. It's not, it's not a theoretical exercise. It's not, hey, I wonder how good they are with that. We saw it, and it nearly kept them out of the playoffs. It may, in fact, be the difference between them going to the playoffs or not. That game in Green Bay with Brett Rippon at quarterback was unacceptable. It, they couldn't do anything. Since then, Matthew Stafford's been back. They've been in every game. They've looked really sharp. He's throwing touchdown passes. He's not throwing a ton of interceptions. He's making great decisions. He's leading his team. You know, this game on Sunday against the Commanders, that could have been a 40-point day 
easily if Kyron William holds onto the ball. And we're talking about Matthew Stafford probably a little bit differently. Even as good as those numbers were, we're talking about another performance over 30 points, another performance where the offense is just absolutely cranking along. You're going to hear about Lamar. You're going to hear about Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey. These guys are th- – that. there's your MVP pool. But as far as the, the Rams go, it's Matthew Stafford – and then a gap of I don't know how big before you get to the next most important person on this team. It's not even close. It, hopefully it's not anytime soon, but we're going to miss Matthew Stafford one day oh, because yeah. to me it's the big-time throws. PFF gave him three big-time throws. That was his fifth game of the year. We had three or more big-time throws, and you can hang some of those throws up in the Louvre, man. Some that, that sidewinder action to Tyler Higby, just, he's just too damn talented. It's unfair. He finished with an 87.1% adjusted completion percentage, was highest of the season. So he was fantastic. You, you know what it is, too, and, and you're, you're so right that he's just some of the throws he makes are just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm seeing. But it's a combination of this unbelievable talent and somebody that has complete control of what it is that they're doing. This isn't one of those, hey, once he figures out how this game works, Maybe nobody in the league understands how this game works more than he does. He has this incredibly high football IQ, this incredibly high level of NFL experience. He's got this incredibly high level of of confidence. And, oh, by the way, maybe the best arm or arm talent in the whole league. Forget about it. And we're, we're finally starting to see it. It's all of those pieces stacked together. And I also think he's taken on even more of an enhanced and a different style of leadership this year with all the young players, all that talk earlier in the year. I think they've embraced that. almost think they've kind of made light of the fact that he is where he is. He's kind of the elder statesman. I just kind of feel like a love letter to Stafford all of a sudden, but I just want to say too, I love the Dodgers hat after the games. Okay. I love he was wearing the LA hat. He always rocks that Dodger blue hat. feeling that. Couldn't agree more. I, I saw that during the press conference after the game. I'm like, a, he's either still really tight with Kershaw, or B, he just Wait. deeply gets how to do it. Well, why would he be tight with Kershaw? <laughs> did, they, did they grow up together? Did they, were they a little? I never knew that. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever known this or not, but they uh, they played some high school football together. Oh, okay, the cool. Yeah, uh, it, it, he just gets it, right? Look, there are there are two teams in this town. I understand that we're on a Locked on Rams podcast, and I, and you love the Rams fans. I love the Rams fans. But the Rams are not on that level of the Dodgers and Lakers. Not yet. It's go- it's going to take some time. It's going to take and it's going to take anything other than time for them to get into that that just deep into the fabric of this city. That is the Lakers and that is the Dodgers, and it's by a mile over everybody else that he puts on that Dodger cap, dude. It's just it, it's perfect because I, I I mean I I could be wrong, but I don't remember him throwing on a Tigers cap when he was in 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 Detroit. Maybe he did, and I just not—I just didn't see it. But this feels purposeful, and it, it hits the bullseye. Absolutely. Now, next one you mentioned this yesterday, Travis Alaric Jackson, eighty-two yeah. PFF grade. He didn't allow a single pressure and pass protection. An eighty-nine point three pass blocking grade. He's put together a few really nice games. Going up against Miles Garrett, of course, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. They traded them, so he didn't have to face those guys against Washington. But two really solid performances, and he's really starting to put things together. He's been exactly what you hoped he would be when you put him into that position at the start of the year. Remember when we had, well, we got six guys and we've only got five spots and we got to figure out where everybody goes. Well, you knew that Rob Havenstein wasn't going anywhere. You knew that Steve Avila was going to slide into that left guard. Obviously center was limited to two guys with Shelton, Shelton Coleman and Brian Allen. So you really kind of had two spots up for grabs, right? You had the right guard spot. You had the left tackle spot that were open competitions and, 
Alark Jackson was not a high draft pick. Alark Jackson was not somebody that you put a lot of confidence in, not somebody that you spent a lot of money on in free agency or any of those things. It was more like, hey, did we just kind of find a guy? Did we develop a guy over the last couple of years who might be able to do it? Can we really have Matthew Stafford's blindside protected by Alaric Jackson? Is that really something we're going to do? Yeah, it, it is. And, and, and he's been more than good enough. Again, is he the second? Is he Trent Williams? No, but so what? Who is? There, there, there's only one or two of those guys that are like that. He's not Andrew Whitworth. He's not a guy that's going to make a bunch of Pro Bowls or anything like that. But is he keeping Matthew Stafford upright and healthy? Yeah, and it's the most important position on that offensive line, and he's held it down incredibly admirably. Yeah, like I always say, if you don't have a left tackle, you're left out. And early in the year, I was really pushing for a left tackle, but he's really shown me something the last few weeks where you look at the value he provides as far as undrafted free agent and how he's developed to give yep. him a lot of credit. He's big, strong. He's getting it done lately. You mentioned Coleman Shelton, 76.6 PFF grade, allowed a single pressure. He did really a nice job in the run game. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, they're four, they have a, definitely a force up the middle, so definitely did a nice job, but Cooper Cup, got to give him his love too. 73.2 PFF grade, two straight 100-yard performances, also a 79.5 run blocking grade. That was second best to Jackson this week, so Eight catches, 111 yards, 62-yard touchdown. How about that smart, high football IQ play to knock it out of bounds? Cooper Cup is back. He looks like Cooper Cup again. And, and you know, people would ask me, I'm sure you get the same questions, Steve. Hey, what's wrong with Cooper Cup? Is he hurt? And my answer was always the same thing. I hope so. It, meaning that I hope that it's just he's got a little nagging injury as opposed to this is the player that he's become. This is the guy that is no longer a dynamic playmaker, that is not crisp and sharp and physical and all the things that Cup has been in his Rams career. Well, it looks like he had some nagging little things that were preventing him from being that player, and they're starting to heal or he's starting to deal with them a little bit differently because to your point, DMAC, he looks like Cooper Cup again. Puka is going to be Puka. Demarcus Robinson has elevated himself. You're getting the tight ends more involved. But Cup is the difference, right? Cup is the guy that is still the security blanket. He's still the guy in the gotta-have-it situation that you're probably going to go to more than anybody else. And that he's starting to look like himself at the exact right time of the season. It's been great. Yeah, Travis, when you have great players, they were great for a sustained period of time. When they decline, it's usually two things, age or injury, right? Yep. In this case, it looks like it was injury and not age, and that he still has a lot left in the tank and that he just gotten healthier, and you just love to see it. It's one of the best developments for this team the last couple of weeks. But we've got some more horns up, some more horns down, and we have a rookie that has he hit a rookie wall? That's coming up next here on Locked on Rams. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professional for your team faster and for free, right? Think about your favorite team, right? Maybe it's the Rams right here. You're talking about you get the right person in the right job, and all of a sudden, everything works better. That's what LinkedIn Jobs can do to help you find your right person. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and you might not have the time to hire or the resources to do it. 
So thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, it's quick, and it is easy. They even launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome back to Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Now, here in our third segment, we're going to pick up on some of these winners real quick, runs through some. Joe Noteboom, a lot of two pressures, was great in the run game as well. Helped Kyron Williams get those 27 carries, 152 yards. Ernest Jones, two pressures, pass rushing grade of 71.9. He was fantastic with his run defense. Bobby Brown, 83.7 PFF grade. He hasn't taken huge leaps this year, but for Bobby Brown, it's every little step he takes, right? I guess that's the last time he's out on the show. <laughs> I, I, I was just didn't know if we were just going to go Bobby Brown. We're going to do new edition. Like where, where exactly are we going to take this entire thing? But I, you've used that one before. It gets me every single time. Retiring it. No, don't. I absolutely do not retire it. I love it. I, it's funny. I see him on TV or I see him at the games and I think about you and your, your, uh, your Bobby Brown love. Absolutely never retire it. Okay, so we got Bobby, we got uh, John Johnson, Quinn Lake, both had a really good game, but let's get into some of these horns down. And we are both, is a big Steve Avila household, yeah. Travis and myself, but last game allowed three pressures in pass protection, had a 40.7 overall offensive grade. He struggled in the run game, had a 35.7 run grade. He struggled really three weeks in a row, a 40.7 overall grade. So makes you wonder, has he hit a rookie wall? I think physically, at this part of the season, a rookie, you kind of start to have some concerns. The technique is still there, but he definitely is going through a little bit of a rough stretch right now, Travis. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think this is somebody who has not played this much football. Think about it. They've played 14 games. This was the very end of the line last year for his college season. You play your college season, you go through the semifinals, you go to the final, and you've put 14 games in the books, and you're done. They got a month of football left. They've got three more games left and hopefully more beyond that. And this is like every other sport. You talk about baseball guys, right, that go from college baseball or high school baseball into the minor leagues. And instead of playing 50 or 60 or 70 games, you're playing 150. You Instead of throwing 100 innings a year, you're throwing 180 innings a year. In basketball, college season, you might play 30 or 35 games. Now you're playing a hundred, including the preseason. It's just a totally different animal. That second wind will come. He's a really good football player. He knows what he's doing. They'll get his body right. I, I'm not worried about him at all. I do think it's a wall issue, a fatigue issue, just a, whoa, we're still not to the end of the line issue, but I don't worry about him too much. He's just too good of a player. That's a really good point as far as this is uncharted waters for players like this. And yes, the commanders, they're really strong up the middle, but still the third straight week where you saw his performance kind of decline. But yeah. like I said, I think we've seen enough from him this season as far as his flashes to say, okay, this guy is going to be a foundational piece for this franchise for years to come. So I'm not overly concerned, but as far as where this team is at, as far as making this playoff push, they'll be, like you said, find that second win, put him in situations where he can start producing. We saw early in the season. I think he absolutely will. Byron Young, as far as his PFF grade, it hasn't had a precipitous decline or anything like that, but he's just been a little bit quiet, right? You're not yeah. seeing the sacks. I mean, the pressure has kind of gone down a little bit. Do you think it's something similar with him? I think it's probably a little bit some. I, I think there's some of that that's similar, but I think there's something else going on with him. 
They're game planning for him. Yeah, there you go. That, 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 that he was a guy. Okay, let's just let him run around, and he's a great athlete, but he'll he'll be out of position. We can we can fool him with scheme and all these other things that he doesn't quite understand NFL football yet, and he's just out there. Well, then he started to figure it out, and we saw it in the middle of the season. We saw it start to happen where Byron Young was a regular part of what they were doing, and defensive coordinators are now making sure that number zero is accounted for, that you have him as part of your game plan, right? That when they stop and say, okay, how are we going to deal with him? It's a little bit like Austin Reeves with the Lakers in the early part of this season, that instead of just being found money, it's like, oh, okay, we got to deal with Austin Reeves. Let's defend him like this. Let's make sure we enforce him into these situations. And he struggled to adjust, and now it's finally starting to happen. I think that's what's going on with Byron Young. It's one thing to show up. It's another thing to show up without any real expectations, which I think is where he was at the beginning of the year. And now it's a, oh, he's getting to the quarterback a lot. We got to prevent away from that uh, for, for that to happen. And I think that's what it is along with the wall. And it's again, it's, it's I'll go back to baseball again. It's adjustment, counter adjustment, adjustment, counter adjustment. It's up to him to readjust again. Yeah, it's it's James Outman's summer slump, right? I mean, right. you have teams that are throwing breaking balls, they're throwing fastballs up and in, and now it's time for Byron Young to adjust. And I think from a technique standpoint, he's always been extremely athletic, but a little raw, and yeah. you're going to start to see a little more technique. He's just kind of using that bull rush. Now, last one for the horns down, we got to hit Darian Kendrick. Yeah. He, tough game. He allowed seven yeah. catches, eight targets, 153 yards, two touchdowns, a perfect passer rating of 158.3. His PFF grade was 31. That was the lowest on the team this week. And Terry McLaurin, I like how Sean McVay called him a baller after the game because that's what he is. But he made him look like freaking prime Randy Moss, Jerry Rice going up against Darian Kendrick. Yeah, it, it's the weak spot on this defense right now. I, I, I think that if you are New Orleans and you're coming into this game on Thursday, you're breaking that huddle. Where's number one? Where is, okay, he's over there. All right, there's my friend. That's just the way that it goes. And until he starts making a bunch of plays, and, and he'll make some good plays too. And I think much more so than trying to add more really good plays, it's let's keep the same amount of good plays and let's reduce the amount of bad plays. Let's reduce the amount of penalties. Let's reduce the amount of times where it's like, how did that guy get wide open? It seems like that's sort of when there is that miscommunication, when there are those things happening, that more often than not, number one is involved in those situations. And just reducing the big mistakes, I think, is where he can make the biggest improvements. For sure. And they're just going to need to find a way there. And I think if he continues to get beat, you're going to see some personnel changes like we saw when he essentially was benched a few weeks ago. And then, of course, we talked about Luke Haverick, so not much to talk about with him. Like I said, if you my wife's going to be at the game on Thursday, and she's offered to kick. So we'll see if uh, if he missed a few kickers. She's down to go Look, out there. I, you know, it's funny, D-Mac. I, I, I am terrified of our kicking game. I just I, – I've watched a lot of football over the last 40 years or so, and – you can see this train coming down the track that you're going to need a 45 yard field goal that you should make that everything where, and it's just not only going to miss, it's going to miss badly. I'd love to be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of things this season and I'm thrilled to have been, but this feels like a problem that's just blaring. Like we have a problem at kicker and it hasn't been addressed. And I just hope it's not a fatal flaw. 
It's something to absolutely keep your eyes on. Of course, yeah. McVay's Mr. Positive about it, feeling confident. But, yeah, we need to see him have a bounce-back game, and I hope he does because not a ton of options right now. I kind of yeah. think they probably should have kept Crosby. But we'll see. But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Rams. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on the X at Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And as always, you can follow the people champ, Mr. Travis Rogers, at Travis Rogers. Until next time, whose house? It's Locked On Rams' house.